Howdy, folks. Welcome to Dojo Talks. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing the state of U.S. chess 2022. It's October. Uh, the U.S. Championships has just begun. Uh, the first round took place yesterday. The second round starts in uh, just about an hour. Uh, we figured it'd be a good time to discuss uh, all things uh, U.S. chess. We'll talk about the tournament and make some uh, predictions. Talk about some of the up and coming uh, juniors and uh, yeah, just discuss what it's like uh, to be a chess player in in the U.S. right now. Um, so, well, let me uh, let me throw it to you guys. Um, uh, U.S. Championships, huge event. Um, what's uh, what's the biggest thing you're watching for? Um, I'm watching for <laughs> well. Let's say I'm, I, I mean, okay, aside from watching for, you know, whether Hans Niemann's going to, you know, win or not, I, I'm, I'm really curious just who's going to win the tournament. I think that's, that's one of the big things I'm interested to see here. Um, and then secondarily, I'm always watching the young players. So that would again be Neiman. I'm also curious um, if Chris, you can do anything yet this year. Um, and that's, that's something we can talk about more later, but I'll pass it to Jesse. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the more political aspects, let's call it of the tournament. But, um, some of my questions have to do with, let's call it the aging set of the favorites, right? So I've been a big fan of Fabi for a long time. Fabi recently has fallen, um, from his peak by far. And the question is, can he come back? And one of the curious things about Fabi right now is he's starting for the first time to dedicate a lot of his time to subjects which aren't directly chess. He's doing like podcasts and stuff. He's uh, engaging on social media in a way he didn't used to. And so it, it feels, right, like he has lost at least the kind of approach that he once had. And arguably this all started when he stopped working with his trainer, Kajim Jana. So that's like my, that's the big thing I'm watching for at the top. Um, I wonder too about Aronian, like how these guys like old dude, Aronian's old man. How long is he going to last? And I think so's been playing the best recently. So I'm going to go ahead and say, that's my pick for who's going to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're already making picks. Oh, wow. Okay. Already got a pick. I was going to hope that we have like a lively discussion and I could have <laughs> okay. more more time to to think about it. Um, that's an interesting point you brought up, Jesse. Yeah, like Fabi, he's I feel like he's been having some fun recently mm -hmm. um, and going into like, yeah, some of like the creative content side uh, of chess uh, clearly seems like, yeah, he's had a lot of thoughts about this whole cheating thing. And he's talking about this guy that he knows cheated, but like wasn't caught. And so like, yeah, that's clearly I think he's clearly happy to be able to express himself now about this. Um, and yeah, like Levant has been struggling for for several months now, it seems. So, right, it feels like Wesley's like the only one that's kind of like really, really solid at the top. Um, but it, yeah, it also means people have a chance uh, uh, otherwise, like Dominguez, Shankland, uh, I think all these all these guys actually have, have a shot now because it doesn't seem like anyone is just super invincible in the... Um, event i also was thinking like i don't think it's impossible for for neiman to win uh like if if he plays well and other players are kind of like you know weird and nervous like playing against him and he just starts like building up wins he could win the thing which would um definitely kind of uh turn the the craziness up to a, up to a 12 um but uh yeah i don't do i have to give a pick yet <laughs> no no that was that was just that was just jesse throwing throwing all the information at us um but uh your question to us had been what we were most looking forward to so you could answer your own question like what you're what yeah. what's sort of the most interesting story that you're watching specifically from this tournament well yeah i mean for me the most interesting story is of course just like what's What's going to happen with Hans um, with yeah. uh, this report that was just released and uh, just things being very kind of um, still like unsettled, like Magnus still like his statement is kind of waiting out there. Um, it does look like Hans isn't really going to say 
much, which is, is absolutely fine. Um, I don't know what he really uh, needs to say. It's like it's clear he yeah. cheated online, and uh, I'm sure he maintains that he's never cheated over the board. So that's that's that. Um, but uh, generally, I mean, I just love this tournament because it's just always so exciting. Like I've been watching it like literally every year uh, for like over 10 years, just <laughs> like, like religiously. Um, and it's always fun to see like the 2600s go up against the the top guys. Mm-hmm. Guys, so I'm like super happy that like Christopher Yu is there, a wonder, Sevian, um, uh, like uh, all these like young players. Uh, I think it's great when they're um, given uh, given the shot. So the tournament for me is just very very interesting in terms of the 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 chess itself, and it's always very hard actually to even pick people to to root for because I'm rooting for like multiple folks. But um, that's what I'm watching for. I mean, I love the tournament itself, but yeah, in terms of like. <laughs> which story I'm following is just like what's going to happen to to Hans now I just can't can't stop watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think one of the big stories of what's going on is that it's become harder to pick who's going to win. Like Jesse gave a very good reason for Wesley. Um and I said that you know other than Hans the main thing I'm watching for is just who's going to seize this thing and win the tournament, right? Um but what we have is we have a proliferation of this unofficial super GM uh, title, right? We've got a proliferation of, of super GMs in American chess right now, because in the past, you only have to go back a couple of years and it would have been, there would have been a big two or a big three favorites for the tournament, right? I mean, at some point it would have been Fabi or Naka and then it was Fabi Naka or so. And now of course, you know, Aronian Dominguez joined that conversation, but it's not just, you know, the Federation switches. We've got other players coming up, right? You've got Hans Niemann, who's 2,700. You've got Sevian, who hit 2,700 this year for the first time and tied for first in the last U.S. championship. So to some extent, you know, somebody was asking me, who's a dark horse? I don't know if Sevian would even count as a dark horse anymore, given that he's tied for first in this thing before, right? Um You've got Ray Robson on the highest rating of his life. He is now slightly less than 10 points away from 2,700 for the first time, right? And you've got Shanklin and Xiong who both hit 2,700. So you have, you know, like half the field are super GMs. And if you extend it down to 2,690, you know, you'd have more than half the field are super GMs. And uh, I think it's just a much closer battle because of that. Yeah, I mean, it's already been uh, reasonably close. Like Lenderman, I remember, had like a really good run uh, a couple of years, despite not, you know, not usually being a favorite. So, yeah, it does mm-hmm. end this tournament so long. It's like 13 rounds. So it's like someone can just get way out ahead and just like just solid and and cruise their way kind of to uh, to victory. Um, we'll see. How about the uh, the women's section? Generally, I'm. Like I usually root for, for Tadev myself because she hasn't won one, and I I just like really would like to to see her win one. She's been close like just so many, uh, so many times. Um, but there's also quite a few juniors there. There's uh, the dojo's uh, Sophie that hopefully we're all we're all rooting for as well. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, you know, one hundred percent behind her. If I could pick somebody to win the tournament, would be. In a heartbeat. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, and yeah, the women's event is always very, very interesting all the way till the end. And the games are um, very, very interesting. And also, as a player of like around like 2400 level, I find the games more relatable. Like, oh, yeah, this is a position that I could get. This is a position that I could mess up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would find those games actually to be a little bit more um down to earth like uh in the round one the uh, rookend game with jennifer you and, and zatonsky was very very interesting um and, definitely uh, yeah really enjoyed watching especially since you spend your time doing end game sensei like very very relatable <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like oh wow i've seen this before <laughs> well tatev is off to a good start after round one she drew an interesting game with Irina and carissa didn't show up for the tournament so it's already a good start for Tatev's <laughs> chances of winning her first U.S. Women's Championship. 
Yeah, for me, that's that's always like the disappointing thing is that there's often like like one or two players missing from the field. Like last year, I think Jennifer Yu didn't play, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. That's um, yeah, this year, Carissa's not playing despite being the um, defending champion. Like her tournament last year was, was quite amazing. Yeah. Um, so and we're yeah. missing and we're missing Annie Wang, who we also missed last year. So, yeah, there's several players who sort of like they sort of. I don't know about peaking, but they get to a really good level just as they're going off to college and then they take a little break. Yeah. Is that the story with Carissa? I th- I think that's the story. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. Skip college. What are yeah, you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, college doing? has been the bane of, of uh, American chess for well, it used a couple to be. decades. It used to be like when I was a kid. Yeah. People would be like going off to college and stuff and then they would lose it. But yeah. now we got a lot of, at least on the men's side, people not going to college. I think Jennifer, you also went to college. So yeah, yeah we have this. Terrible- but a wonder went, for example, a wonder has played very, very little for the last two years. I mean, by rating, you look, and if you just look on the rating list, you still, you'd still say, oh, who are the most promising juniors in America? You'd be like, oh, Hans Neiman and then a wonder Liang, but a wonder hasn't played for two years. Right. Well, I don't, no. I don't know if that that's fair. I've seen him at some events. And also, I mean, there was the pandemics, there was fewer chess, and I saw him play online quite a bit. By, by his standards. I mean, I've even talked to him yeah. about it. And he said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm bare. By his, by his standards, he himself says he's barely playing. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, no, there's a um, lot of kids we're losing. I mean, yeah, but there, yeah, we, we lose so many, we have so many top juniors, honestly. Like, uh, it's incredible, you know. Well, I don't blame. Them. I mean, especially some of them are getting into like Stanford, Yale, Harvard, you know, like some real, real top schools. I mean, that wasn't um, exactly an option for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know if it was. Yeah, I don't know if I would have been playing so many events. Um, like, let me just throw yeah. out a couple of names from uh, a couple of years ago, actually. So uh, Burke, John Burke, that guy's amazing. Brandon Jacobson, amazing. Andrew yeah. Tang, amazing. And a name uh, who also went to college, that guy was amazing, is Nicholas Cheka. That guy was strong. Yeah. Super strong. And yeah. he still is, but they're, you know, they went off to college. Yeah. Um, That's true. That's true. Well, we'll have another episode one day where we can argue whether college or chess is a, is a better choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I, it's really about the college. I mean, I think like like Wesley So, if I remember correctly, he made twenty seven hundred when he was in school at Webster. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still depending on whether like college is like the main priority for you or whether chess is the main. If chess right. is the main priority, I think they can still do it. Yeah, sure. But it's the way it's the way some athletes you know make it yeah. to the NFL while being in college. You know, it's yeah. like what what was the focus? Yeah, you go to Webster, boss. You're not like, yeah, it's exactly like you're on a football scholarship. You're yeah. Like, you're not actually going to school. No. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, well, some of the names you mentioned, like John Burke, I think he's at one of the um, the Missouri schools. I don't remember which right. one, but. Yeah. Um, so that means we still have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up that just kind of interesting. So let me just step back a second. Uh, ages ago, me and Bruce had this discussion. This is like 10 years ago. Like, who who do we think is the up-and-coming kids? And then how would we decide? How would we know? And we had kind of a vigorous debate about it. We threw throwing different names around. And what's interesting about that discussion, looking back on it, is uh, in our field of vision at that time was Christopher Yu, Sevian, and Neiman. We knew all those kids. They were all from the Bay Area. And I had played against all of them, you know, at least, whether informally or and I and I had a lot of lessons with Christopher. You, I thought, okay, let me just back. I thought Christopher was the talent by far, by far. I was like, those other guys were just. And Sevin was interesting, and then Neiman. I was like, no, this kid doesn't have a shot. You know, so that was my take on it. And one of the things I want to say about it, just just intellectually interesting is, I think. It's kind of like when you're trying to judge those things, it's kind of like uh, political punditry, i.e. like the political pundits, when they talk, they talk with incredible confidence and they believe what they're saying. 
but they're just wrong. <laughs> they're just like wrong all the time. Same thing with like economic pundits. They're just historically wrong. Like you can do a track record of all of them and they're always just like flip of a coin kind of wrong. And I, I guess it's kind of similar with uh, guys like me and Proust trying to judge young talents. Like we really think we know. I think we earnestly think we can spot talent, but then it's like kind of like the political pundits. Political pundits know a lot. Like they've read a lot of political books. They've studied the stats. They've studied polling. You know, they know a lot more than I do, but they're just wrong. They make their guesses, man. So I think, anyways, that's just kind of interesting. And it, it, it kind of feeds into the scandal a little bit with Neiman as well, because <clears throat> Neiman uh, wasn't anybody, no one thought he was special as a kid. Uh, you go back to that 2019 U.S. Championship, uh, U.S. Junior Championship, where I was doing the commentary too. He finished almost near the bottom of the table. All those other guys that I just mentioned were ahead of him. So um, that's the other weird thing about judging talent, right? And and one of the reasons, like, it's kind of been a scandal because no one judged Neiman to be this incredible uh, world-breaking talent back in the day. So that's part of like why we have this really incredible divide in the chess world right now, right? Well, let me just say, I was yeah. I was scared of Neiman all the way back when he was like 11, 12 years old. Uh-huh. Yeah, same. You're saying like no one, but uh, I don't know. I, to me, he looked like a talent. And uh, I heard um, Greg Shahadi saying, like, you know, he invited him to the U.S. chess school because he thought he was a big talent. Like, his rating wasn't actually, like, high enough when he first got his invite, but Greg thought uh-huh. he was uh, had a lot of potential. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm totally with you on Christopher Yu. I think that kid uh, has always been uh, having a ton of potential. Um, yeah. Sevian is a bit older than than Christopher, but I remember Sevian when he was six years old playing in California, and he was, like, really low-rated. Um, mm-hmm. And you can tell that he was very, very serious about the game. I mean, I, I definitely thought he would become a, a GM at some point. I don't know if I thought, like, oh, uh, 26, 2700, but... I definitely thought like, oh, he's going to be really, really good. Um, I think it's a little bit different with predicting talent versus predicting tournament results. I think like with talent, people can often can often, you know, see it right. Like people were definitely talking about Magnus and and, uh, Karyakin for several years before they were like really, really uh, big and and, like other top chess stars. I think it happens in other sports, too. You see an athlete in like high school or or college that's just amazing. You just know that they're going to be. Um, uh, great, essentially. Uh, but then when it comes to like predicting like a tournament, it's like, okay, anything can happen over the course of two weeks. That's where I think it's like the pundits have to like uh, portray a false sense of confidence. Because I mean, otherwise, it's just not fun. Like I, everyone realize, like there's no way to predict what's going to happen in a tournament, right? But you might as well make bold predictions because otherwise, like what's the fun? Like <laughs> that's <laughs> well, kinda... I, I don't, I don't just mean about one tournament. I mean, like, you know, how, how are they going to turn out as a player? Like, for example, here's, here's several names I got wrong. Uh, uh, Ropes playing in the tournament now, you know, he's doing great, but I, I thought he was going to go much higher. Uh, Nagy, I thought Nagy was uh, going to go much higher. I thought back row, I was. He could have, but like he came to the U.S. and 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 bought into our whole school thing. You know, when he was in when he was in <laughs> India and was and you know his family was like, forget about school, Pari. Um, everything was great, but then he came here and he started doing school. So yeah, but then you know back row didn't do school, and that kid was amazing. I and it was like the positional understanding the kid had at a very. Anyways, there's like all these cases where i was wrong (laughs) where i was wrong and some some of them are weird and interesting like for example one of the things that i think we would be talking about if this scandal weren't going on is where is naka dude naka was it's a topic for today was the great american talent what are you doing buddy you're doing some streaming stuff and now like and now Fabi's like looking over at Naki. He's like, oh, this is looking good, man. Maybe I don't have to study chess. Maybe I'll just go to the streaming <laughs> lifestyle. And of course, Naka was so weird because the kid didn't have a conventional chess education. In some ways he did, but, you know, he deliberately like didn't want to do it. He was playing Blitz all the time, you know, yada, yada. And so it was like he had so much talent, like he ended up being a good player in spite of himself. You know, in spite of himself, he ended up being a good player. Now we're getting this where the guy's not even here. He's not yeah. even here at this tournament. Give but I a- think Jesse, I think Jesse, it's because he's always been neurodivergent, you know? And so like from the mm-hmm. blitz games to the streaming to now, you know, it's all just because he's neurodivergent. 
<laughs> they're going to get you for saying that's that. a they joke everybody me. yeah please <laughs> they, were that, they were on me they were on me um anyway uh <laughs> yeah that is a bit of a shame that the naka is not playing i mean i i kind of get it from from his perspective it's like classical chess is such a grind right i mean you have to like really prepare and then if you show up and then a player like him if he doesn't do extremely well you know everyone's gonna uh thrash him for for being a streamer and like there's a lot of pressure on him and all this stuff uh, i don't know it is it's still a bit of a shame though because clearly like he's so so capable of being a top player like uh in the candidates he had some great games his game against fabi for instance that he won with white is just like one of the yeah. best games of the event yeah. just just period it's like he can clearly i mean play at an incredible level so it would be nice to see like him battling it out against like Fabi, uh, Levon, so Dominguez, Shanklin, like all these guys. Um, but I mean, I, I get it. I feel like he's been there, done that. You know, he's already won a couple of US championships. And it's like, I just feel like, I don't know, from his point of view, maybe he wants to move on to to, to bigger things. Like like with Magnus in the world championship, he's already won it multiple times. And now he wants to do even bigger things, like get to 2900, just reach a level never before seen naka seems like his ambitions are with like you know online chess streaming kind of um building his career out that way so i get it but yeah it is a bit sad from the the classical uh perspective yeah i mean not much to add to that i would love to see him play just like both of you but it's just a matter of you know ambition interest you know what's fun for him I mean, as somebody in chat is saying, like the thought of having to go on Twitch every single day and like talk on Twitch, like that could be a grind too, right? So there could come a time, although he's been doing it for a while and he seems to enjoy it, but there could come a time where that becomes a grind and he yearns for something different. But I think, you know, right now it's just, it's like, it's like Magnus with the world championship, right? Like classical chess is not that fun for him. It's not, it's not appealing and uh, he probably really enjoys things like title Tuesday, you know, rapid chess championship, global chess championship, some, some, you know, rapid and blitz events um, are probably a lot more fun for him. And so he, you know, spends his time on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it means other players get a shot, which is, uh, which is good for them. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, we would. I feel like we had like maybe one U.S. Championship where like all the like top players. Are, there's always so, someone missing. Like Nako is missing. Like Fabi, I think missed one or two. Um, but uh, yeah, now it's just like in, just insanely strong. Yeah, as far as far as missing players, what about Gadakamsky? I think his like FIDE rating is high enough that he could potentially be playing these events if he wanted to um he's like 10 or 15 points higher than dariush um who i think is sort of like the last rating spot in the tournament yeah uh Komsky, as far as i understood from what he was saying was that he's just like uh, kind of semi-retiring from that like level of chess mm -hmm. um i don't know like with the exact reason i know he's mentioned like he doesn't like preparing <laughs> openings like super deep and at this level which i think we can understand um, and I also don't know like where exactly he's he's living because I heard he like moved back to, to Russia possibly. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he even even is right now. But he's streaming. He's he's streaming now and then. So yeah. uh, so that's cool. And I see him on on Twitter popping up occasionally, which I'm happy to see. I'm glad he's uh, speaking up about stuff. He's been uh, I think commenting on the the cheating controversy a bit. Actually, that's that's a question we haven't really uh, discussed yet. Like. There was talk of St. Louis like disinviting Hans from the tournament. There's talk of the the players uh, uh, boycotting them. I don't think there was like real talk of any anything like that. But there was like fans suggesting like, oh, maybe the players will will do this, um, which I think is really unlikely. Um, yesterday, uh, Tony Rich, uh, the executive director of the club, he gave a short interview. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he basically said like at this point, you know, Hans is still presumed innocent for OTB cheating. And that's just how they're going to proceed until FIDE or USCF, you know, tell them otherwise. Um, so personally, I'm fine that they continue to let Hans uh, into the tournament. He qualified, uh, again, presumably fair and square. Um, but what do you guys think? 
Well, we're going to have to go deep into this. So I just want to make one quick statement about the state of U.S. just before we go down <laughs> this dark road. Okay. Um, I want to say that U.S. chess right now is a really in a transition state. And, and that we've been talking about the top, right? But let me just give you a sense of where I see it kind of where, where I like, for example, I'm playing a tournament this weekend. And I look now at the pairing list of pairings. And um, it's, for the most part, people I don't know. So it's this incredible uh, term has happened. Uh, for I played for decades, and it was always I'd go to the tournament, and the, the open section would be full of people I knew. And even the lower sections, I'd be like, oh, I know these people. So, like, the demographic has fully shifted. So it's, like, a really interesting thing that's happened. Not just that there's a bunch of new people, but that the old guard has basically, for the most part, stopped. It's a very interesting thing that we're not talking about. Plus, the demographic is markedly younger and Asian, right? And kids that I just don't know, and they're good. And we're going to, like, in a couple of years, I assume I will know who they all are. But it's just a completely new demographic. Also, I want to say, you would think, like, oh, there's going to be more women now. Uh, at first, I was kind of seeing that, and maybe it's a little bit like maybe it went from like 4% women to 8%, but I'm even doubting myself there. Like in this tournament I'm looking at here, there's no women in the open section, right? So like that shift hasn't happened. It's definitely more numbers. Every tournament, at least locally where I'm going, there's definitely more numbers. The Like the organizers have got like a ballroom that they've been using forever, and like it's too it's too small. It's too small. So that you can see that there's been a visual, uh, visually, you can see that there's been a jump in the rate of attendance. Um, now, you guys might have something else to add to that, but I just want to say this scandal, it's really bizarre, man. Like, I've known, I have a lot of non chess friends here, or even acquaintances, distant acquaintances. And like, everyone is like texting me, like, dude, what, what do you think about this scandal? So the scandal <laughs> itself, it's almost like a Fisher boom in a way in that it's bringing, again, like loads of attention to chess all worldwide, but especially in America. And it's like, I don't know why this is taking off in the like in the world outside chess in the way it has. But we just in terms of the state of U.S. chess, we have to say like, oh, this has turned into like a big news story. One of the one of the few chess news stories that really like broke into the mainstream. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I I guess it kind of like it, it happened the weirdest way too. It was like Eric Hansen made a joke about anal beads, then Elon Musk like tweeted it, and then it kind of went this viral. It's kind of it was it was meant to be funny at first, but then the people then texting me, like my non-chess people, the chess right. list, they interpret it as a serious thing. It's not just some joke. It's kind of funny, haha. But it's like, wait, can you tell me about this grind? Can you give me some insight on the anal beads? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But you contacting me, like distant, distant acquaintances, my friends. These are not people I necessarily even hang out. A lot of people, and they're like, can you tell me about the anal beads? And I'm like, oh, this story really broke. You know, this story like went mainstream. So, anyways, I just want to throw it out there because we do have to go into the weeds. But I just didn't want to lose focus like the bigger U.S. chess scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few things there, Jesse, on on the um, the women in chess, I feel like, you know, it's going to be years, right, before we see um, like a female player get into the open championship. Like, so I do think we're seeing a lot of a lot more female players, uh, which, okay. which is great. Um, but yeah, until we see like. Uh, like a junior like really talented and then make their way into the open section like I feel like that just takes years um, but one name I don't think we mentioned yet like Alice Lee super mm -hmm. super talented um, yeah. I think I could easily see her just getting very very far I think that's um, but but she's young I see I, I hate putting like pressure I hate like naming kids <laughs> where they're gonna yeah. like hear about it like I don't like putting pressure on them I just feel uh, like they should just have fun and just be talented and have fun and then get to 26 2700 plus um <laughs> yeah in terms of the story I, same as you jesse i had people that i just um either haven't talked to in years or haven't talked to period message me yeah <laughs> be yeah. like like hey like what's going on i think it's because the story itself is actually very compelling because it's not clear um like what what the truth is it's not like oh someone got caught cheating and that's that's the end of it like there was this um 
uh, there was this like story in bass fishing about cheating just like a couple days ago that was like on Twitter. But I think that's just like already gone because it was just open and shut. These guys, they were caught cheating in like a fishing competition. And then it was like on camera. There's just no, um, there's no, it was just black and white. There was no gray area to it. Where here it's like, we don't know uh, if Hans has cheated OTB. We don't know if he cheated at the Singfield Cup. Magnus mm-hmm. thinks so. Other people think so. Half the world doesn't think so. So it's like very 50-50. And I think that's why it's such an interesting story to people outside the world because people just want to know, like, they just want a resolution. It's like, um, uh, you know, a plane that gets lost. Even if you didn't know anyone on that plane, you just kind of want to know, like, what happened to it? <laughs> like, where did it go? And so people just kind of get um, obsessed with, like, well, what what actually did happen? Right, right. Um, but yeah, to me, it feels like it's definitely, I don't, I feel like it's not quite as big as like uh, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit, I think, was a much more positive boom that was like getting people back into chess. Here it's, I mean, definitely the attention hasn't been all all positive. And I don't know if it actually has been getting more people playing chess. I feel like it's been pushing a lot of people away as well because of all like mm. uh, all the, the drama and um and controversy. Actually, I, I remember seeing on Facebook, one of the names you mentioned, uh, Jacobson, I think, posted something on Facebook, how like, he's just like done with chess, because of like, mm-hmm. uh, some of the latest drama, I think it was like a couple weeks ago, even hadn't even escalated fully yet. But he was just like, Ugh. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not into all this stuff. Um, so it's been a very, very big story. But yeah, definitely not, not nearly all positive. Yeah, no, a second a second uh, season for the Queen's Gambit would have been much better. You yeah. know, maybe as a comparable even, uh, you know, because there is a school of thought which says, you know, all attention is good attention, whether it's negative or positive. But if you compare, like, let, let's say you look at the cycling world, you think about, like, the Lance boom, and then all the attention for, like, the Lance drama with the cheating. Um. It was definitely a negative, even though it was so much attention. And the Lance boom was such a positive thing in terms of numbers growth in cycling. Just, you know, everyday people. Like when I was talking about women, Kosti, I wasn't talking about like super, you know, genius women or something. I was just talking about people you'd see at a tournament. You know, what, what's the growth we're going to see there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that kind of remains to be seen. The, the Lance thing, of course, is an interesting comparison because at the end of the day, he was a mastermind cheater on a level that no one could have possibly comprehended. And so in a lot of ways, if you imagine Hans is a cheater uh, over the board, not online, it's easy to do. But if you imagine he was a over the board cheater, it would be like a mastermind level thing. Right. It really would. It would be like there would be because you would have to have a conspiracy. You would have to have advanced technology. You would have to have all these things going on at the same time, like Lance did. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if um, if he did, in fact, cheat at the Sinkfield Cup and if he's, in fact, cheating at like the um, the U.S. championship, I don't think it would take that much like crazy tech to cheat at like a random like open event. Like imagine like the World Open. Right. It's just right, no right, security right. there. But yeah. uh, but OK, I mean, a lot of people are, are saying that he did cheat at like these really high level events, too. So that would require especially with like all, all, all these scanners now. I mean, the 30 minute delay, like <laughs> at this point, like, yeah, I really don't even understand how it would be happening. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess let's get into it. I mean, um well, I, I said already, I mean, I, I didn't really see a reason to, to disinvite Hans. Obviously, it's a very awkward and, and fortunate situation. But yeah, until there's something shown OTB, I feel like um, he definitely has uh, has a right uh, to be there. Yeah, Jesse, yeah. what were what were the results of your poll? Because you asked yeah. Twitter whether or not the organizer should do anything. What What did your poll tell you? So let me just frame the story a little bit before I tell you about what happened in the poll. So the, it was interesting the way the storyline happened because before chess.com did its epic release of 72 pages, they leaked the information first to Vice and let Vice tell the story. The way Vice framed the story was far more damning to Hans than the report itself. 
right? The report itself uh, was not nearly as biting as the story was. And maybe that's just because the way journalists write. So I started the poll before chess.com, uh, uh, you know, did their report. Oh, Wall, Wall Street Journal, by the way. Sorry. Vice did the story oh, excuse about- me. Uh, Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We have, yeah. So that's, by the way, two big uh, journalistic enterprises talking about chess is part of the story. So I did, uh, there was 36% said St. Louis should kick him out. And 39% should say that, that St. Louis should pretend nothing has happened. And the middle option was 24% demand his point of view. Um, and by, by that, I just mean that Neiman should be forced to explain himself in light of the report. Now, one thing I want to say that is really- Like say, sorry, I lied about the extent of the online cheating, but I didn't lie about the OTB cheating. <laughs> well, at the very minimum, it looks like in the interview he did about his online cheating that he lied about the extent of it. And yeah. so St. Louis could have said, hey, buddy, listen, uh, you at least need to clarify what's going on because there's a big discrepancy with what is being said about how much you cheated here and what you said you cheated, right? Yeah. Um, a fascinating thing that's happening in the chess community, and this is something actually we're figuring out as a culture like in real time, is a consensus has been formed, especially amongst the fans. I think not so much against you know the GFs, but with the fans are saying uh, online cheating simply can't be as bad as over the board cheating. And one of the key rationales I keep hearing over and over again from these people is it can't be as bad because with over the board cheating, you have to really have some premeditation, like some big premeditation. And, you know, <laughs> you have to have a lot more going on than just like clicking on your computer. And that to me is like, I think for me and David, it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We talked a little bit about that last time about how, like I feel chess.com has encouraged uh, the laxity of our response to people who cheat online. Um, but that's been this fascinating debate that's going on now where the divide is in a lot of ways like, oh, it's not so bad that he cheated online. Show me the evidence that he cheated over the board. Whereas for me, let me just say for St. Louis, I thought they were in a real pickle. I still do. Where since the guy was convicted and then lied about it, or it looks like he lied about it, then I could have imagined St. Louis doing, yeah, either saying, no, you can't play or demanding his point of view. And I could have also imagined players like So and Fabi Dominguez just kind of joining hands and saying, well, look, if the guy plays, we're not playing. Or unless he explains himself, we're not playing, right? And that would have been effectively pulling a Magnus on a much larger scale, right? Um, so I think there's a real tension there that St. Louis just is trying to avoid. They're just trying to avoid it. And, you know, I understand why they're doing it. In a way, it's though it's trying to make their lives easy by just uh, putting a blindfold of it to their up to their eyes. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that the players didn't, or not to any significant extent, didn't complain to St. Louis about Hans's participation. And I'm curious. I'm very, very curious what the players think, you know, if they wanted to play him, if they didn't want to play him, if they thought he should be banned, if they wanted, you know, if the presumption of innocence is important to them. It's easy for everybody on the Internet to say, you know, the presumption of innocence is like fundamental to society. Right. But like when you have to go play for, you know, one hundred thousand dollars against somebody who you're certain cheats sometimes and you're certain is a liar, like <laughs> when it's your livelihood, you might be like, well, let's put this guy in some probationary review or something, you know, like like you could imagine having a different uh, opinion if you're actually one of the players. And uh, the option I would have loved to see added to your poll was like because I was thinking if I were the organizer, I would kind of ask the players, mm. um, you know, did no organizer ever. Right. But. I would ask the players, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you guys want to play with this guy or not? You know, and if if you had more than half the players who said they didn't want to play with the guy, I mean, then just off of that, I would probably uninvite him. Um, because 
I don't know. There, there needs to be some kind of, you know, willing. There, there ought to be some kind of willingness and desire to play with each other when people sit down to play chess. I know there's all kinds of rules and, you know, ratings and prize funds and contracts and stuff like that. But fundamentally, you know, when you sit down to play chess, you should be wanting to play chess with each other. And, you know, people complain that Magnus by himself can just say something and ruin somebody's career. But, you know, if like, if 10 top players all agree that they don't want to play with somebody, that that seems like something you wouldn't ignore. Yeah. But okay, we I think you have to be really careful there because it has to be like it definitely has to be I think for the reason of like foul play because there could easily be a player that the other guys just don't like and maybe he's like a little bit eccentric or arrogant or like he like pulls stunts he pulls like pranks on the players like outside the rounds like <laughs> they just don't like them right he gets drunk and he's like a jerk to everybody he's really dislike this player it's purely hypothetical right sure. it, it, it's like they wouldn't have a right to be like oh we don't want this guy in our tournament because he's like he kind of acts weird sometimes right no it's only right. be because like they actually believe that a player uh is capable of cheating otb has cheated otb in the past and then they're like really uncertain the way things stand right now it's just like i can understand them uh being extremely angry at hans for cheating online because he cheated in like some really important online events Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah to me there's still just like a very clear distinction there it's just like um and, and it's not just that there should be a distinction but that there has been a distinction it's like online chess and otb chess have been separate for the entirety of chess there was never a time when they were like one and one but either way it would be interesting to know what the players think or feel wouldn't it i mean shouldn't that somewhat figure into it kostya um i uh i don't know um maybe but it's like the tournament needs some kind of uh grounds right to kick the player out so you can't just be like mm, a lot of our players feel uneasy about playing you right because if it's if it's related to cheating, like St. Louis, it, their it official be. position Coast, is that yeah, they just... have security, right? Like they, there is no cheating at their events. Like that's what they're uh, obviously going to to put forward. So they can't like remove a player because they think like, oh, they might be cheating. <laughs> like, what does that say about their uh, security measures? Right? It's like. I mean, you could be not confident about your security measures. People don't have to always pretend that they've got everything under control. You could say like. People are concerned about this person and we don't feel like capable of ensuring fair play. And so, yeah, I mean, you can you can always say whatever, whatever you need to. Oh, I didn't I do not think that would go down well with the fans if they're like, yeah, we're not sure if we can ensure like a safe tournament. So it might not go down well, but it might still be, you know, the honest thing to say in some situation. Well, and let's just say the obvious like this whole thing started because Magnus unilaterally might have been good if he had asked his friends, his fellow players, hey, do you want to do this with me? Yeah. You know, uh, this is all happening because Magnus threw down the gauntlet. And if you believe that it's cheating is a bad thing, if you believe online cheating is a bad thing, then you can at least understand where the guy's coming from. And furthermore, I don't think uh, Magnus will ever play in another tournament that Mag- that Neiman plays in. I think that's it. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe Magnus will retire soon and Neiman can play the other... Uh, big events, but otherwise, I don't think Carlson's going to play. And you know, the U.S. players could have done a similar thing, if, you know, but they didn't. I want to also just backstep a little bit and just make sure we we're clear on the story too. That's also is so weird here. Part of it was why it's fascinating to me is this is what it looks like. Okay, this is what it looks like, and I think there's general consensus this is what happened. Though you guys could disagree, it looks very much like, you know, Chess.com. First of all pulls Neiman from the global chess championship. Uh, and this is post Magnus. And of course, let's just backstep chess.com bot play Magnus. So Magnus in a certain way belongs to chess.com. So it looks like they they're doing it to favor Magnus. Is that true or not? I don't know. That's just what it looks like. Then what it also looks like is it looks like chess.com was in contact with St. Louis and said, you should pull this guy. And then they didn't. And the reason it looks that way is they dropped this bomb of a report on the day of the opening ceremony of the tournament. So it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really putting them on the spot, you know? So it was like this incredible thing that chess.com did. 
And I think for the fans, one of the reasons, like there's so much support um, uh, of Hans in the chess community is precisely because it feels like uh, he's being bullied by both Magnus and chess.com. And, um, and 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 now that chess.com owns so much of the market share, it feels like they're the big evil demon, which maybe they're becoming. Uh, but in any case, that's how the chess fans see it. And so when I especially just like look at fans doing on Twitter, it's like a remarkable support of Hans and like willingness to go to the end of the world for the guy. You know, <laughs> it's like this really all these cultural things are coming together now, where it's like, especially you got if you just look you know, person by person, are they a lead chess user or a chess.com user? The lead chess people are all behind uh, Hans. And so what are we thinking? What does it look like? It's starting to look like a tribal affair, right? It's a, it's a tribal warfare yeah. being played out here, you know, between Hans and, and Magnus now. Yeah. And Jesse, I think it's worth clarifying on that. A lot of these people might be all in on due process or presumption of innocence more than they are all in on Hans. Like a lot of them will say like, yeah, yeah, he seems suspicious. Yeah. He's a dishonest person. Yeah. He's a, you know, he's a confirmed cheater. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't know that they would necessarily be all in on, on loving Hans or even be fans of his. Right. But it's like, they, it's some mix of them maybe hating chess.com or maybe loving due process, loving the presumption of innocence, that kind of, legal framework right (laughs) it's definitely a mix i i would just want to say on on that it's like i feel like this is all magnus's fault um (laughs) (laughs) just typical like magnus like because well hans was already a divisive figure before all this happened because he had that like chess speaks for itself a lot of people were calling him arrogant others were saying like oh he's the best thing for the sport and then when magnus drops this accusation without hard proof before this chess.com report you know is even existing um of course people are quick to defend hans because it's like oh where's this all coming from you can't just accuse someone and just immediately convict them based on you not liking them so um i just want to say with this chess.com report I can imagine they wanted to release it before the U.S. championship as like a deadline. I don't see this as them like vindictively like dropping because how much time have they had to come up to create the 72 page? It's not like they were expecting to have this report ready until Hans like publicly kind of went after them. Right. Right. Because it was Hans that was like, oh, chess.com, they disinvited me. Like he's the one that made the whole thing public. And I can imagine at that point then they were like, well, now we have to kind of show we have to show our stuff. Dog, they did it hours before the opening ceremony. Just hours before. It was like, oh, dang. Well, yeah, to me, that looks more like... They had it ready uh, three days ago and sat on it, Jesse? Yeah, to me, it looks more like a deadline. I'm just telling you what the optics look like. I'm just telling you what it looks like. No, but... I I know there are optics, (laughs) but I find that every attempted conspiracy theory about chess.com is, like, really silly looking. Like, Uh I, I... I think it's really silly. All this stuff like Magnus, like, you know, made them do it or they're trying to ruin this guy's career. To what purpose? They clearly tried to protect his career years ago. Um, yeah, yeah I tried to like coach him on how to be an honest person. You know, he really held his hand on that. One. No, it, it kind of looks like they were not sure about having him in the in the GCC, but they wanted him there because he's a big star. Um, but then when this stuff happened with Magnus, then they were like, uh-oh, we already know about his cheating past. And now Magnus is taking this huge when, – when when I saw that Magnus tweet, like, that he's withdrawing from the tournament, like, my stomach, like, sunk. I was just like, wow, this is a big accusation that he's making, right? I'm sure yeah. Chess.com folks felt the same way and they immediately started reconsidering. But I don't know. I was definitely on the side of – I definitely thought that they uh, – they did talk to Magnus about it at some point before, you know, the both sides said that they never talked to each other because it, it does seem natural. Like they have this big deal going on. Then he makes this like huge thing. I mean, it feels natural that they would discuss it at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did or not. But um, back to the what Jesse was saying um, about uh, about the report. It's like, yeah, it definitely feels like Hans is being scapegoated a bit by Magnus because Magnus withdraws after losing the OTB game. And, and then people are saying like, Oh, it's a stand on online cheating. It's like, no, you don't play a, like a normal OTB game 
and then lose, and then you take a stand against the online cheating. Like that doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense. So it has to be about the OTB. Um, and I still think it is about the OTB because a lot of these like top guys they're like analyzing Hans's games, like Fabi, Naka, Nepo. They're looking at his like OTB games that they're actually suspicious of. So I feel like this goes beyond just like mm, the story of oh, is online cheating should that be taken as seriously as OTB cheating? Um, which yeah, I, think I just should think be. when we, I think when we try to apply logic and predict things, we often miss less plausible explanations, which are overall just as likely to explain what happens in the world. Like Magnus could have been conflicted, conflicted, conflicted about whether or not to play an online cheater and like sort of teetering on the brink of it, you know, and then he played the game and just got pissed, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of like was balancing on a fence between two options and sort of tumbled off into one. And it might not have had, you know, like, like sometimes the logical explanations are not the real explanations. That's all I want to say. I want to open the possibility that, (laughs) you know, we, these things can be really random or reasons we haven't thought of. No, Um, but going, going off of Magnus's statement, like he specifically said, like during the game, Neiman wasn't focused and this game like changed his like perspective on, on, uh, on playing him. Yeah. Uh, you could be right. Could have just been an angry. He was definitely very angry uh, after losing that game. So you could yeah. be right. But okay, based on his words, it sounds like he he's he's crying foul play. He wasn't saying like, oh, during the game I realized I shouldn't have to play someone who's cheated online. He was saying like during the game Hans doesn't seem focused. That to me feels like a direct accusation that he's cheating during the game because he's playing super well. He's beating the world champion. Very few players can do this, you know, according to Magnus. And he doesn't seem focused. So uh, obviously he's implying he's receiving the moves, right? Like, Yeah, totally. I'm just saying, like, imagine how angry you've been after some games you've lost, right? Like your subsequent actions within the next couple hours after losing a chess game, like <laughs> may or may not be logically predicted by somebody else no i think that's i think i don't have any trouble with the your interpretation i mean it was definitely a spur of the moment thing but we got to also say that part of magnus's decision is this uh what's coming at is, is what's come out is that while you have the fans who believe in hans's innocence or have a thing of innocence until proven guilty the top players in the world for reasons that I'm not entirely clear on, but I know this to be true, the top players of the world are pretty consensus on Hans having cheated over the board. Now, is that proof of anything? No, but for them, there's a consensus at the top that he was cheating over the board. And all I know is there's some suspicious looking things. I don't know proof or anything, but for them, it's just like this clear divide where they definitely felt it. Obviously, Magnus is at the top. He's the apex predator of that little group, you know? So he's going to be reacting to their uh, feelings of, about it right there, right on the spot. Right. I don't know if we can say it's a consensus, but it's definitely several top players that yeah. seem to yeah. think Hans has cheated over the board, seemingly including, including Magnus. So it is significant uh, people and, and, and players who would, you know, they kind of know about chess. <laughs> like, they might not be right, but of course their opinion, I think um, should be valued uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand these people prepared to play him, right? They were in a round robin with him, right? So they did like a kind of preparation that's a totally different kind of, you know, deep dive into somebody's games. So the the opinions and ideas that they would have after looking through Hans's games, those are incredibly valuable insights or opinions. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the uh, apparently the stories of Hans have been going around for some time. They knew as they were preparing for him that he has a history of online cheating, right? So that can also like cloud your judgment. I think anyone's judgment, if you're looking at games and you're thinking, you know, this person might have used an engine during these games, it's like as soon as any moves start matching up with the engine, you know, your mind just starts <laughs> just starts drawing conclusions. It's just very natural and I think very, very hard to avoid um, regardless of of the skill level, which is why it's also super important to have these like very robust uh, statistical models that, um, you know, can, uh, you, I don't understand how they work, but they use math and they, they seem, you know, if, if they're like sure about someone, it's like they're 99.999% sure. It's just like very, very, um, 
very, very powerful uh, figures. Um, so, yeah, ideally some kind of combination of those two. Like the top player intuition, like this is human, this is not human, this is 2600 play, this is 2750 play, versus like just like cold statistical analysis. One thing in chat that was said I think is an interesting result of this whole fiasco too is they're asking like, well, is there going to be a fee day report? And one of the just funny things for me, even that is like, People are now demanding that FIDE do things that it normally never did. <laughs> FIDE, oh, no one trusted FIDE to do some report before. You kidding me? That thing has been a corrupt shell organization for decades, and now we're going to entrust it to do something real. But maybe it has to. Maybe it is going to be called upon to like do something like substantive. And do I trust it to do it? Not really. <laughs> but I guess they're going to have to, you know. Um, and if anything. People, you know, places like chess.com have the resources to do like some of the crazy statistical analysis and yada yada. So it's almost like they're the ones in the position to do it in the first place anyway, you know. So uh, there is no governing body in my mind which can take this over and like make some big decision, which is maybe something, you know, something like FIDE is going to be forced to do. Yeah, but I mean, what decision can they really make, you know, uh, outside of just really strong evidence that someone cheated or, you know, flat out confession. It's like, well, one of the things that the fans want is they want uh, Magnus to be penalized. And I think, I think that might happen. You know, some fans want that. Not everyone wants that. There's a strong, there's some strong feeling out there. My friend, there's some very strong. Those who feel it definitely have strong feelings. (laughs) That's just, I think that's just the world now, Jess. And it's, uh, I think it's just the world that has kind of infiltrated the chess world as the chess world Uh has grown bigger. It's just merged with the regular world. It's just the state of things nowadays. It's like people want statements. People want punishments. People, Uh uh, they just, they just get outraged over stuff uh, on the internet. It's like this didn't used to happen. Like five, ten years ago in the chess world, people were not yeah. like demanding statements left and right and <laughs> like all this stuff. <laughs> I think it's just uh, it's just the consequence of uh, everything being connected. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely some very vocal minorities out there saying like, oh, you know, this player and that player should be uh should be punished i personally don't know if magnus uh, should be penalized i don't even understand what kind of punishment um they could give him well, exactly. false accusation punishment what are they gonna do kick him out of the world championship like what <laughs> <laughs> i think honestly i honestly think there is first of all fide has started doing stuff now and there is going to be some kind of report and they could prevent him from playing for i don't know three months or something you know i don't know something you know, I think it's it's a legitimate possibility of what could the outcome of this thing could be. Hmm. Can I pull us back to our topic for today for the last yeah. five minutes? Yeah. So state of American chess. Um, uh, let me ask you guys just a couple little questions about uh, U.S. players. So I want to start with uh, Ray Robson. Hmm. Do you guys think that this guy can still make twenty seven hundred? Yes, easily. He's so close. He's like 2690, one good tournament away. Yeah. And like I said before, it's it's like let's say 2008 to me he was going he was going to be a rival for US champ or for the World Championship. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like why didn't that happen? I don't know. But yeah, of course he can make 2700. Okay. Cool. Um what about on um, upcoming talents like uh Chris Yu? What do you think? Is this somebody who's going to be uh, super GM one day. Is this a, a, a hope for us to increase the number of American super GMs? Are we headed towards 10? Let me just say, so I just quick story about Christopher Yu. I had a, did a camp in Berkeley ages ago and Christopher Yu was five years old. He just won like the Californian kindergarten championship. I kid you not. And we were doing, we do Polgar mate and tools with a bunch of other kids. And I would put up, put him one up on the board and Kid was lightning. There was kids in there who were 10, 11 uh, rated kids who played tournaments for years, and he was slaying them, slaying them. So I saw, I experienced talent firsthand in a way that was very rare for me. I then did some, uh, we did some classes over there at Berkeley Chess School with like some 2,200 players, and he would come along with his dad there, and yeah, very talented. So I always thought that he was going to crush it. 
And it's cool now to see that he's getting his, first of all, a chance. But there was a period of years where he was kind of stagnant. Uh, I don't. I, I definitely think COVID didn't help him. Um, so th- that definitely a storyline I'm following. Um, yeah, because for a while it looked like I was like, oh no, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, and I'm like, no, I want my intuition to be proven right. Uh-huh. No, he's yeah. he's definitely one of the kids that got um, a bad hand with from COVID. He was like on on track to be like the youngest USGM, and then COVID hit. He needed like one more norm, and then, like all his third of it's got canceled. I mean, like I think he would have like he had like months to make it, you know. Um, but yeah, Christopher, I think he's super talented. I I mean, I feel like I I don't know exactly what's going to happen with classical chess over the next uh, several years. Um, but I think he has very good chances of, of making it to 2,700. I think even more likely is that he's going to become uh, at least a top online player because uh, mm. he's already just doing amazing things in online chess. So I feel like that's going to continue and he's just going to be like um, just one of the easily one of the world's best online players, um, period. And maybe I think he'll also do very uh, good things in classical. But to me, that's that's less of a given because that's just that's a lot of time and energy. Yeah, yeah you raise an interesting side uh question which is like are we going to start losing otb talents to online chess right because what you'll notice one thing in the correspondence between danny and hans is that hans was wavering between trying to have a career as an online chess player or trying to have a career as an otb player yeah right like he wasn't sure which was going to be the right path so you know when you were when when we were young we'd look at somebody like you know Gary Kasparov or Vishy Anand or something like that would be like the kind of chess career or player that would be sort of a dream. And now a lot of people might be looking at Hikaru Nakamura and saying like, well, maybe that's the right path. Do you guys think that in the next 10 years, we might lose, you know, five or 10 lose, so to speak, sorry, that OTB might lose five or 10 top talents to online chess? And let's just say the hilarious point of the story, too, is from the correspondence, what it looks like is the kid, i.e. Neiman, stopped playing online and started playing classical because he was banned. (laughs) He was banned from online, banned from chess.com. That's when his that's when his career took off on classical chess. Right. Yeah. But I don't think classical chess will ever die, my friend. No, I don't think so. Which what you just say is why to me it's not crazy that um, Hans is like legitimately a 2700 strength player because it's like he gets kicked off of playing online chess. He's like forced to like study OTV now (laughs) and using like his like prior like talent uh, from before he's able to kind of catch up to where he could have been if he was like working hard though. The whole time. Um, yeah, you know, I think we might have already lost some OTB talents to, to online chess, or at least people spending a lot more time working on their online skills um, mm-hmm. compared to working on their um, OTB skill, because just the online is more uh, lucrative. Um, I, I think it's it's not an insane uh, path for, for players to take, especially the way things are going. I feel like mm-hmm. we're going to have regular prize money events online, and uh, it's cheaper to play online than it is to travel to a tournament. Um, and it's also much faster. And I think a lot of people prefer it too. So, mm. um, yeah. But that said, I, I mean, I think OTB is still very much uh, uh, thriving. Like tournaments are still really strong and I think getting good yeah. numbers. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy if if both online and OTB were good avenues. Yeah. I, I think they they will be. You know, the question is, would some people really prefer one and not spend their effort and time into the other, right? Um, like the kind of decision Nikara was making now. Um, you know, I'm not saying that OTB chess would die, but to me, if you look at the economics, if you look at that that there are multiple million dollars to be won in online tournaments, right? Like global championship, a million, rapid chess championship, five hundred thousand, you know, like once you've got three or four, five events on the calendar that have these kind of prize funds, it seems natural that you'd have people who would focus on pursuing them. And I don't know that going to an OTD tournament is even like very good training if you want to win a 10 plus zero online tournament over 10 rounds, right? Like you might be better off staying home and streaming rather than traveling to the US championships. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, people in our chat mentioning another kid. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Andy Woodward. Very, very talented junior. Oh, yeah. I've played him twice recently. He crushed me both times. Yeah. I was uh, going to ask you about him at some point today. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. No, he he is uh, very, very talented for sure. I remember him from like a World Cadet like years ago. He was like uh, uh, just a very, very young kid, but already super strong. Now he's close to GM strength already. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be in this tournament in, uh, a year or two. Yeah. Born a in year or two? Hey, two, two, or three. Two, or three. <laughs> two or three, two or three. Uh, it might be sooner or later. He's, he's, he's already 24, 54, born 2010. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. His trajectory, yeah, I think is very similar to like Christopher you, but maybe even, even faster. Yeah. Yeah, and playing him and meeting him, he seemed just as strong as uh, as the rating and the rise indicate. Yeah, yeah. No, no, very nice kid. He's like friendly, you know, jokes around. No, he's, um, it seems, uh, I, yeah, I, I see only good things for him in the future. Stop.